Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Let tomorrow be anxious about itself. Sufficient for this day is the trouble thereof. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Man was meant to live one day at a time. A man was not designed to live in yesterday, in yesterday's guilt, in yesterday's sorrows, or in yesterday's troubles. Perhaps St. Paul puts this best of all when he says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on in the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Man was not designed to live in yesterday any more than man was designed to live in tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself, our Lord says. The troubles of today are sufficient enough for you. Man was meant to live one day at a time. Thus, our Lord teaches us to pray and note the redundancy for emphasis. Give us this day our daily bread. He does not command us to pray that we would have bread for the week or the month or the year or our whole lives, but for this day only. Our Lord would have us Focus not on the past or on the future, but on the very present. The scriptures, too, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Now, it may indeed be the same cup of coffee or whatever it is that you drink, that you wake up and have every day, and yet that cup, that day, at that table, in that house, with that sunrise, that is all unique to the day. His mercies are indeed new every morning, whether they be as small as that cup of coffee or as large as his daily forgiveness of all your sins. But we lose the magic of the day the reality that each and every moment of each and every day is a gift given to us by God and all that we have and enjoy are present tense gifts from God. If our minds are distracted and on the past, if our minds are distracted and on the future, even though the gifts are there, in a sense we receive them not. The man focused and the sins and failures of his past receives his daily bread and it tastes like ash, even if it's the finest meal. And at dinner in, in his glass, maybe the finest wine, but it tastes bitter as gall because all he can focus on is the past. And so too, the man focused on the future is robbed of what he has. He eats and drinks only so that he might be empowered to eat and drink something better the next day. 
He puts on his clothes only so that he can earn money and wear something better the next day. And upon receiving those things, they are only used so that in the next day it might be even better and better still. He's like one of those greyhound dogs chasing the decoy around the track, never enjoying what God has given. Man was designed to live one day at a time. Thus, it is not a coincidence that the Catechism teaches us every morning to make the sign of the cross in remembrance of holy baptism, to invoke the name of God that was placed upon us in holy baptism, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to live this day as a day given to us by the Lord. As the scriptures say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Indeed, even the trials and troubles that befall us in a given day are almost always conquerable, if not endurable. It is only when we extrapolate out in the anxiety of what may come in the faithlessness that God may not provide for us tomorrow or in a week or in a month or in a year, it is only then that we find ourselves crippled and filled with anxiety. But if we face those crosses that he lays on us each and every day, we are sufficient for the task because he grants us such sufficiency. This is the day that the Lord has made. We here in America frequently live in a kind of frenzy. We work ourselves to the bone all day long. We come home. We do as little as possible. We stay up way too late, usually on our phones. We sleep desperate, fast sleep. And then we get up and slave away again. And all for what? It is interesting to contrast this sort of cycle with the Hebrew conception of the day. You might recall all the way back in Genesis where God first creates the day. He describes it as such, evening and morning, the first day. That is to say, the day, properly speaking, doesn't begin with our labors and end with us dead, tired, in bed. The day begins rather with us resting, asleep while God arranges everything that we will have and will have to do in that day which is to come. We wake rested. We do those tasks that God has given, not with desperate necessity, but seeing these things, seeing that these things have been entrusted to us by God. Then we sleep the sleep of the blessed. We can see in this cycle, too, a cosmic reality that just as Christ dies and then rises, so we sleep and then wake, practicing death and resurrection every day of our lives until that day in which we finally do die in faith 
until that day in which we do rise in our bodies, never to die again. Our Lord ends his sermon with this teaching about the day. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Sufficient for today is the trouble thereof. How does he connect this thought with the thought at the beginning of his sermon that we can only serve God or mammon? The thread running through these two thoughts is the Greek word merimnata, translated as anxious or worry. The way Christ sets up this teaching, there are only two alternatives. You will either serve mammon, wealth, or you will serve God. As much as we all think we'd like to serve both and probably could somehow, our Lord precludes this. They are turned in opposite directions. Money pulls us down to the earth, God pulling us up to heaven. You will be a slave of one or the other. That's what that word serve means. That root is the word for slavery. You will slavishly follow money or slavishly follow the Lord. But since we don't eat money or clothe ourselves in money, money is used and pursued for the sake of what we eat and what we wear. That, of course, can be extrapolated out to not only what we physically eat, but all that we consume, not only what our bodies physically wear, but we might wrap ourselves in cars or houses or vacation homes or whatever else as well. But the genius of our Lord choosing what we eat and what we drink is that no matter how wealthy you are or no matter how poor, the dynamics are the same. That we would live to eat and drink, that we would live for clothing. Thus our Lord preaches, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then the Lord has us do two things that our busy, anxiety-ridden, iPhone-obsessed culture just about precludes us from, and that is sitting back, slowing down, and learning something about God from God's creation. Consider, or he says, look at, contemplate the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap or gather into 401ks, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you of more value than they? You need only look to the cross to see the price that was paid for you. Which of you, being anxious or worrying, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why be anxious, then, about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon, who had 
all the possible means that one could have in order to clothe himself in the finest of all clothing. Not even Solomon in all his glory is arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field that is here today and tomorrow is thrown at the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And there we begin to see what our Lord teaches even more clearly. To pursue wealth and what it can buy, food and drink and clothing, is ultimately to be anxious, to be faithless, to have our minds set on mammon and not on the Lord, not on our gracious Father who opens his hand daily and satisfies the desire of every living thing. Do not be anxious, our Lord says, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we put on? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Indeed, that then means that this is the default position of our sinful flesh, is to be constantly living in the pursuit of mammon, constantly enslaving ourselves to it, and then thus constantly in a state of anxiety and worry. Do not be anxious. Reject this, our Lord says. The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Father in heaven knows that you have need of them all. He's setting you free from that slavery. Free to do what? To seek Him. Seek first, of first and foremost importance, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. Once more, our Lord says, therefore, do not be anxious. Now, specifically about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day, or sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In directing our attention to the ravens and the lilies, our Lord directs our attention to the goodness of God that spills over throughout creation. We recall that we were not made for money. Our life was not made to consume food and drink. Our body was not made for clothing. But rather, body, life, and soul have all been made for God. Only in Him will we find contentment and joy and peace and a simplicity of life that even now we all crave. In directing our attention to the ravens and the lilies, our Lord also shows us a way of theology. We can see if the word of Holy Scripture gives us the eyes. We can see the presence and the giving of God interpenetrating all of creation. You may go home this afternoon, as many do, and pull a few weeds out of your garden. As you pull those weeds out, notice the thorns. And remember that they are only there because of our sin. And those thorns and our sins 
are answered in the crucifixion of our Savior Jesus, where wrapped around his head are the thorns and wrapped around himself are all your sins. As you drive out then this evening, maybe to go to the beach and watch the sunset, on the freeway your eyes look up to the hills and you remember the psalm, I, I look to the hills from whence cometh my help, my help comes from the Lord. You get to the beach and you look at the sands of the sea and you remember the promise of God that his children will be just as innumerable, innumerable saints in heaven. You look out into those seas and you contemplate their death and you remember that God has separated your sins from you, drowning them in the uttermost depths of the sea. All of creation will preach the goodness and the mercy of God to you each and every day, if only you have ears to hear and eyes to see. Let us live then in this glorious and blessed way that our Lord teaches. We were designed not for money, but for God, and for one day at a time that each and every day we might receive his mercies anew. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.